Hello and a warm welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Dre Baldwin. So Dre Baldwin is a former professional basketball player and current mental toughness and business coach, which makes him the perfect person to discuss how you can improve your mental toughness to optimise sporting performance. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Dre onto the show. So Dre, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Matthew, I am excited to be here. I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited for this conversation. Absolutely. Excellent. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Sure. I'll give you the, the two-minute version. Uh, I come from the city of Philadelphia, PA, now live in Miami, Florida. I was always into sports growing up, played all the you know, backyard or what we probably call it the driveway because we didn't actually have yards. Sports uh, started. My first team sport organized was I tried to play a little bit of American football, but I never my family couldn't afford equipment. So I never actually really played. Then I played baseball for a minute. Didn't really have talent for that. Finally got to basketball around age 14, which is pretty late for an athlete who's trying to go anywhere in a sport. Uh, didn't make my high school team till I was my my senior year, my last year, and only scored two points per game, which for those who don't know basketball, that's not a lot. In <laughs> hockey or soccer, that's a lot. But in basketball, two points is not a lot. So I, for college, I didn't have any offers. There were no coaches looking for me or scouting me. So I had to walk on. This means you literally just walk in the gym and try to prove yourself. And I was able to do that. I earned my way onto the team. But I was only playing at the Division three level. So even though I played college basketball, I played at a tier that – does not usually produce pro athletes. So getting out of college, once again, I was no unheralded and nobody was looking for me. So I had to hustle my way into pro basketball, which I, again, was able to do. And that's how I started my career. And I played overseas basketball for nine years from 2005 up to uh, 2014, 2015. Now, at the same time, I took the footage from uh, this exposure camp that I had went to. That's how I got into pro basketball. I went to this event where you pay money to get yourself seen. And I took that footage and I put it on this brand new website called YouTube. And that's how people started to know me on the Internet. This is 2005. So I started to build a little audience there, but it's not like I was trying to build a business out of it because there wasn't really no money to be made from it at that time. But that's how people started to know me on the Internet. Then around 2010, I found myself unemployed. 2009, 2010, found myself unemployed from basketball, started focusing a little bit more on what I was doing on the Internet, building what we now know as a personal brand and becoming what we now call an influencer through just basketball material. But players would ask me about mindset, just ask about things like, why do you work out every day or how do you get so confident or why do you keep trying when you were getting cut from the team every year? So I started talking about these elements that became the foundation of what I now call work on your game, which is my whole philosophy of taking the athletic uh, mindset and applying those tools to work and in everyday life, even for people who have never played a sport in their lives. So fast forward to today, I stopped playing ball in 2015. I'm now full-time CEO of my company, which is called, if you couldn't guess, Work On Your Game. And it's all about taking those mental tools to help athletes get to the top 1% and helping professionals from all industries do the exact same thing, no matter what their industry or job is. So I think that gives people a good synopsis of who I am and where I come from. I think uh, there's a, there's an entire different podcast in there somewhere about how you uh, learn all of those skills and, and build it up into a business, but uh, we're not going to touch on that stuff today. Um, but what I do want to touch sure. on is, is mental toughness, right? So obviously, listening to your mm-hmm. story, there's a lot of uh, rejections in there. There's a lot of times which you, when you could have given up and uh, you had the mental toughness to go on. So why, in your experience, do you think it's important for athletes to have mental toughness? Man, it is important for athletes to have mental toughness simply because the 
the way that sport is designed is that nearly none of us go through our entire sports career without taking a loss or getting beat or getting hit in the face or taking a shot that doesn't go in or getting dunked on or getting beaten by an opponent, whether it's in practice or in a live game. It, there are very few athletes who go through their entire career completely undefeated. There may be a few boxers, maybe a few UFC people, but even those guys take L's in practice. You just don't know about it. But if you're a basketball player, you know, you're, no basketball team has ever gone 82 and 0. There was only one football team in history that went undefeated through the whole season and won the championship. That was the 1972 Miami Dolphins. And that was before I was even alive. The closest the team came to it, they lost in the Super Bowl. So every team takes losses. Every player takes defeats. And when you're playing at the top 1%, the higher the level that you ascend to playing in the sports world, you're going to be playing against players who are better and better than the players you were playing against before. And when you're playing against really good players, inevitably somebody is going to get the best of you in a moment, even if they don't get the best of you for your whole career or a whole season, maybe just that one night. This is just the way that sports are designed. And that's what makes them so interesting is that at the highest levels, anybody can win on any given night. So you must be mentally tough enough to, number one, be able to discard what happened in the previous game so that you can focus on the next game. Because when you're looking at something like basketball, for example, these guys are playing 82 games a season. So you had a game Tuesday night, you played horribly, but you have another game on Wednesday. So you can't carry what happened on Tuesday into your Wednesday night game. And conversely, Matthew, if you had a great game on Wednesday, you can't carry that with you into the game on Friday because what you did on Wednesday, you had 30 points. You still start Friday with a clean slate. You still have zero points on Friday. So you had to do it all over again. So mental toughness is, yes, of course, being able to not let yourself be weighed down by the negative things that happen or the things that you don't want to occur, but also not making sure that you're not wrestling on your laurels when you do something well and thinking that just because you did good yesterday means you start with some kind of head start today because that is absolutely not the case. I think that, that bounce back ability is then uh, super important, especially between games when you've got them really short after, after each other in succession. Um, and I think there's Absolutely. some, there's some really interesting, uh, conversations to be had around, uh, competitions where the, the time frame is much larger as well. So for example, Olympic cycle of four years, you've got four years mm-hmm. to get your head back on and, and go again, but then you've only got one day and one event, maybe even uh, 10 seconds in the, in the hundred meters to, to go and win right. that uh, event in this case. So how do you think that then differs right. between events, which are further apart? Man, that's a great question. And how it's different. Let's say you take something like an Olympic athlete, they're training for, so let's say they competed in the last Olympics, or maybe they saw it and they say, all right, I want to make the next Olympic team. Now you have four years of training for, like you said, a 10 second competition. If people understand that logically, but if you really, really think about that, you train for four years just to get to the final of that, let's say the 100 meter dash, and you have 10 seconds, all this time you train just for this one opportunity. That is, that could be a lot of pressure depending on the way that you think about it. And that could cause some people to rise to the occasion. It could also cause some people to crash and burn. So it's really training yourself mentally for that moment way before the moment actually occurs. Because even though technically a lot of Olympic athletes have to be amateurs to compete depending on their sport, the professional 
understands that they are prepared for a situation way before the situation occurs. No true professional shows up to a situation and then that's the first time that they're seeing it or the first time that they're thinking about it. So that mental toughness, part of mental toughness is the preparation, the work that you do ahead of time of the situation so that you are mentally ready for it. You have basically mentally rehearsed the occasion before the occasion occurs. So when it comes up, it's not some brand new thing. You're not a, a deer in the headlights trying to figure out what to do in that moment because you've already been through it so many times in your mind that now all you had to do is transfer it to your body, which you've already practiced as well. Basically, you're just now getting the public recognition for the work that you've already done. I think that's uh, super interesting. And you mentioned training in there as well. And some parts of training obviously can be very tough. Um, but there's, mm-hmm. there's an increasing number of videos online that you see of, of like mental toughness training where you'll do some kind of, uh, right. I don't know, let's say an army based training or military style stuff where as a, as an athlete, you might get completely gassed. Uh, what are your thoughts on those type of training drills? Does that really improve mental toughness? I think it can. It is designed to do so. And it really depends on, I believe, on any type of training, Matthew. I think it comes down to the person who's doing the training because you could put two people through the exact same type of training. But if one of them isn't showing up mentally, like ready to practice, ready to play and ready to train and ready to learn, they could get very little out of it simply because they didn't show all the way up to it. And by the same token, another athlete could be in that same training session and they could get a ton out of it simply because their mind was more open and more receptive to the training. So is what I tell athletes all the time, because you know, when I first started putting material online, I was putting out workouts for athletes and athletes would sometimes say, well, Dre, how do I know that these drills that you're doing actually work? And I would always say to them, drills don't work. Just like books don't work. Courses do not work. Training does not quote unquote work. All it is is a set of instructions. What works is the human being. So if the human being shows up receptive, open and ready to learn, You can get value out of anything, even if you're working with a bad trainer or a bad coach or a bad set of instructions. But if you are not mentally ready and focused and prepared to learn, somebody can be giving you the best material there is and you're not going to get anything out of it. So I think the number one variable in all of this stuff, even though somebody could have a great program or what looks like a great program, is actually the human being and how much they are actually looking to get from the thing versus if they're just showing up and going through the motions. I think that's some uh, excellent advice and uh, I'm sure athletes listening can take a lot from that as well. Um, and when we try to, to start making things practical, um, we want to start to improve mental mm. toughness. Where do you then start, right? So if, uh, if we take an athlete who's maybe uh, 16 years old and they're kind of on the cusp of, of getting into professional sports, but maybe they will, maybe they won't. How does an athlete like that mm. start to improve their mental toughness? That's a great question. And it goes right back to what we just talked about. And the variable is really literally that athlete. And that athlete has to be willing to be put in situations that are uncomfortable for them and then be willing to persist and grind through those situations in order to get to becoming, you know, becoming that mentally tough person. And what I tell people all the time, Matthew, is that whether you're an athlete or not, to be mentally tough, you have to actually be in tough situations. All right? You can't become tough by going through situations that are all custom tailored and custom fit to your preferences and are easy for you. You can't become tough that way. You can become you can be comfortable that way, but you won't become tough. So to get to be build mental toughness in an athlete, 
they had to be willing to be coached and trained by somebody who was going to push them, by somebody who's going to make things unfair, quote unquote, or make things difficult for them on purpose and know that the trainer or coach is doing it on purpose to make it harder for you and not complaining about it, but actually working through that situation so that toughness can be built. To give you an example, uh, when I was in college, my, one of my college coaches would say to us uh, during practice, he would say, my job is to make practice as uncomfortable as possible for you so that when we get into games, anything that happens, you've already dealt with it and it doesn't throw you off and it doesn't mess you up so that you can execute in the game and we can actually win the game. If anyone listening or you, Matthew, saw the did you see the Tiger Woods documentary on uh, I think it was on HBO? Did you see that no, series? No, I've not. No. Okay, so Tiger Woods, when he was growing up, you know, playing golf, his father was a golfer. His father taught him how to golf. And when Tiger would be practicing, his dad would do things to mess him up. His dad would like cough while Tiger was in his backswing or he would walk <laughs> across his line when Tiger was lining up a putt. He would do all these things to kind of mess him up. And Tiger knew that his dad was doing it on, on purpose. But the whole point was he didn't complain or whine about it or throw down his golf clubs and quit. He understood that his dad was toughening him up so that when he got into a real golf tournament, that where people probably wouldn't even do that. He was already kind of overtrained, so to speak, for the worst thing that could possibly happen. So when anything else happened, it didn't throw him off and it didn't bother him. And I think we can all agree in his heyday, Tiger was pretty damn good because he had been mentally trained. He had been mentally toughened to deal with any situation that could possibly come up. Then you combine that with his actual his God given talent and the skill that he had developed. And he was uh, pretty much unstoppable. The only thing that stopped him, we could all agree, he pretty much stopped himself. Nobody actually beat him. So that was building that mental toughness. And when you when you mentioned, for example, your your coach then who would uh, describe that to you, obviously that's kind of a day to day example of how you would go about it. Have you got any other little small wins, tips or tricks which uh, which people can use to get the ball rolling? Maybe like I don't know, a, a cold shower in the morning, for example. Yeah, people can choose. Like an, an athlete can choose to do stuff that puts them in an uncomfortable situation. The challenge with that is. is with human beings, we all have this, this kind of mechanism within us that will prevent us from pushing ourselves as hard as we possibly could because there's a, we have a kind of a governor inside of ourselves as humans that is going to keep us from inflicting too much pain on ourselves. Now, of course, everyone's level is a little bit higher or lower, but it's much easier for another human being who does not have emotional connections to our, you know, how we physically feel. They're not emotionally connected to it who can push us further than we can push ourselves. This is why every great athlete, as the saying always goes, every athlete has a trainer. Every good athlete has a trainer. Even the best players in the world, the Serena Williams, Tiger Woods, uh, Kobe Bryant, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Usain Bolt. All these great athletes have trainers. Why? Because the trainer will be willing to push you and make you do another sprint, make you do another set of that exercise, make you do another workout when you don't feel like doing a workout where you yourself, you might take it a little bit easier on yourself, just a little bit, simply because you know exactly how it feels emotionally, what you're putting yourself through, whereas your coach doesn't either they don't know or they don't care how it feels for you emotionally. And they will push you further than you will be willing or able to push yourself. So this is why it matters to get somebody else around you who can push you even more than you'll push yourself, but you can take the lessons that you get from other people or maybe some anecdotes or some things that you pick up from others. Like you said, uh, take a cold shower or do your sprints. What I would tell athletes is, um, especially when I was playing ball, I would say to them, you want to get yourself in shape before 
the season, whatever sport you're playing. You, if you've played on a team before, you know what your coach makes you do. You know what kind of stuff your trainer will put you through. You might not have liked it, but you remember it, right? You, it's not something that you forget. So all you need to do is make yourself do stuff the same way that your trainer or coach will make you do it. That is a, not only will it build mental toughness, but it also will reveal a little bit of your mental toughness. Because when I play ball, the coach would say, all right, you need to do a sprint uh, down and back eight times or something like that. Then you got a 30 second rest and he would blow the whistle again. You had to start running again. Not 35 seconds, not 32 seconds, not 40 seconds, 30 seconds. Now, are you mentally tough enough to give yourself that same limitation to where you only get 30 seconds, even though if you took 35, nobody would know? Are you willing to push yourself at that level? The challenge for many of us, Matthew, is that we won't do it to ourselves because, as I just said, we have that mechanism within ourselves to keep from harming ourselves. But another person will do it to you. So that's why it helps to have another person around besides just yourself. I think that's some, some fantastic advice. And of course, that's why a lot of the coaches get paid top dollar to go and do it, right? It's, um, yeah, it's a very exactly. important job for those athletes to make sure that they're performing at their best. And then when we, when we try and make this practical, right? So obviously there's going to be people listening like, okay, this, this sounds great. Um, but how do I make that an action plan to make sure that I'm improving my mental toughness on a, on a regular basis? So how would you then go about working with someone to make sure that they're actually overcoming these obstacles or at least providing themselves with these obstacles on a regular basis? Well, number one thing is we, want to be able to measure. We want to track and measure. Now, even though mental toughness is not something that is you can weigh it on a scale or you step on a scale and it gives you a number, we can pay attention to where is this athlete stumbling? Where are you having challenges? And this is going to require two things. First of all, the athlete has to be very honest about where they're being challenged. And this is with any kind of coaching, whether you're talking to athlete, entrepreneur, or anybody, you have to be honest about what your challenges are. Are, are you, is it challenging to you when you step to the free throw line? You have to shoot these free throws with the whole crowd cheering around you. Or do you get nervous in front of a big audience of people? Do you feel a little bit too complacent and too relaxed when you play in front of your hometown fans and your family's in the stands cheering for you to win? Do you get thrown off when all the fans are cheering against you because you're on a road game and they're all cheering for the opponent? So where are you actually being challenged mentally and you feel like you're not giving your best? Or do you feel that you're not as confident as you could be? Do you feel like you start to you know, feel defeated in your mind as soon as your team is losing on the scoreboard? So where are your challenges at? You have to be very honest about that. That's on the athlete side. And then on the trainer slash coach side, they have to be willing to push that athlete as far as that athlete is capable of being pushed to help them be the best version of themselves. I find that a lot of on both sides, a lot of trainers are not willing to push people further than that person is willing to be pushed. And because all of us have another level we can go to if we would allow ourselves to be coached. And I also find that a lot of athletes don't allow themselves to be coached. They're not as coachable as they could be. Therefore, when someone is trying to push them, they let up or they push back against it. And therefore, they're actually sabotaging themselves from getting to their best level. So both of those are required on both the, the trainer and the trainee side. Now, as far as making the mental toughness better, first of all, we got to take notes of where we're at. We got to know the baseline because if you don't know where you are, you can't get to where you're going. When you know where you are, then we can say, OK, we're going to work on these seven things that have been challenges for you. And then we're going to the trainer or the coach is going to come up with ways where we can mentally work on these things, where we can talk about them, find out what is triggering these challenges, 
how you can deal with these challenges. And then in subsequent trainings and competitions, okay, let's try this. Let's take a look at this. I want you to try this exercise. I want you to do this technique before you get into the game or before the performance. And let's see what kind of response you get there. Let's see how you feel with that one. And then we continue to iterate and we continue to make changes over time until we get to that optimal space, figure out how to trigger it. In other words, how to make yourself feel a certain way or how to have a certain conversation with yourself ahead of a competition or during a competition until you get to that ideal space. And when you get there, now we have to reverse engineer it to figure out exactly what you did to get to that ideal performance level. And then we have to be able to we have to make a strategy to where you can do it over and over and over again to where it becomes a system, just like any well-run business. You can do the same things the same way every single time. Some absolutely excellent advice. And one thing that I wanted to touch on before we finish as well is um, more and more often people are being told about the importance of, of being mindful and vulnerable. Um, how does that then play into uh, mental toughness? Because obviously those seem sometimes conflicting, but potentially not. What's, what's your viewpoint on that? I understand the, the general concept of being mindful. I would describe it as just you being aware of what's going on in your own mind. And that's just being more conscious about things that are usually subconscious. And when you can become more conscious of what's going on in your mind, then you now have the power and the control to do something about it. Because if you're not aware of what's going on in your mind, then you can't change it. But once you become more conscious about it, then you can say to yourself, "Okay, I'm actually feeling a little bit nervous when this happens or I get thrown off my focus a little bit when this thing is occurring or when I step into this kind of environment I'm not feeling as confident as I could be. When you are honest and aware about those things, mindful, then now we can look at it and we can do something with it. But if you're not aware of it, but it keeps, although it keeps happening, now you're going to keep having the same problem over and over again. So I like the idea of mindfulness in that sense, in that you can become aware of what's going on and therefore you now have the power to do something about it. But if you're not mindful of something, can't do anything with it. And how does that connect to mental toughness? It, goes right into the vulnerability, like you just said. And that word, again, it does seem maybe like a in conflict with mental toughness, but it's actually not because the more vulnerable you're willing to be with yourself or with someone that you trust who's going to help you with your mental toughness, the better you can be honest about what's really going on so that we are addressing the actual real challenge, whatever the real challenge is. Because if you're not honest with your trainer or coach about what your real issues are internally that they can't measure or no count, only you can be honest about it or not be honest. If you're not honest about that, then no matter what they do is not going to help you get to your peak state. So being vulnerable about your real challenges is actually the the key that opens the door to you performing at your highest level. I think that's some absolutely excellent advice. And in terms of time, I think we're fairly pushed because I've uh, I've stolen a reasonable amount of your time already. Um, but Drake, massive thanks for your time today. It's been a pleasure talking, super interesting, and uh, hopefully we can get it done again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on, Matthew. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much, Freddie. Cheers. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Dre for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our Coach Academy. The Coach Academy is a series of lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you enjoyed today's podcast and you want to get some more out of yourself, all you have to do is click the link in the show notes, get in there completely for free in just a few seconds time. And if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it would be absolutely fantastic if you could recommend it to a colleague, an athlete, a friend or a coach. 
That means that we can keep spreading the good word of the podcast and keep, of course, bringing you the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me and Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.